Hallelujah. How many of you know things happen when we are revived? How many of you know things happen when your own spirit is revived? And so we looked at our conference scripture last week, Isaiah 33, 19 to 24, but I'm just going to read two verses. Look on Zion. In other words, what God is saying is look at the church. Look at us. Amen. He says, the city of our festivals that were all fulfilled through Christ, your eyes will see Jerusalem, a peaceful abode, a tent that will not be moved, its stakes will never be pulled up, nor any of its ropes broken. The church shall be established. It will be built. Amen. The kingdom of God will fill this earth as the waters cover the sea, just like his glory will fill this earth. But there, that's why he says, look at Zion, look at Jerusalem. He says, there the glorious Lord will be unto us, a place of broad rivers and streams, wherein shall go no galley with oars, neither shall gallant ship pass thereby. In other words, there in Zion, in the church among us, God himself will be to us a place of broad rivers and streams. Amen? And so one of the things, and I like verse 24, no one living in Zion will say, I'm ill. Amen? I'm looking forward to that day. Is that okay? Where nobody can say, I'm sick. Everybody will say, I'm well, I'm healed. Amen? If you look towards the end of the life and ministry of Jesus, you will see it says, and all were healed, and all were healed, and all were healed, and all were healed, and all, all were healed, and all were healed, and all were healed. Say it after me, and all, all were healed. Amen? So we won't stop until we see that happening. And the sins of those who dwell therein shall be forgiven. And so there's so much through the Bible so many references to a river, to different pictures of God that show God that God is dynamic. For example, one of the pictures of the Holy Spirit is the descending dove. Another picture of the Holy Spirit is the oil that flows. Another is the river that flows. And so there's different pictures, and even God himself is represented by different pictures. And one of them, the whole of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit are represented by flowing rivers. Amen. And so at the pool of Bethesda, John chapter 5, when the messenger would go down and stir the waters, the people would be healed, the first one in. But there was a lame man there, lame for 38 years, and uh, somebody went in before him. But then Jesus walked up to him and was so prophetic that he came and he was basically saying, I'm the pool of Bethesda, and I'm always stirred, and you can be healed. Amen. And so there are those pictures. If we go right throughout the Bible, I touched on it last week. This is one of my favorite subjects. I'm sure that you know that, that we see that the river of God features heavily in the Scripture. And most of us can think of Genesis, Ezekiel 47, and Revelation 22. But there's many, many, many more references to the fact that God's movement in and among and through and out of His people and down through history is pictured as a river. If we look at Genesis 2 verse 8, let me just throw this in. I want you all to listen to me. Are you all listening? Very often when we hear these river scriptures, we're going like, wow, that's revival. And of course, it's used greatly in revival, and it's true. It's not not true. But the thing that I want to just stress with you is actually, it's a picture of what should be normal Christian life. Can I say it again? It's not necessarily, but it is. But it's not the reason that it's in Scripture. The flowing of the river, the movement of God, is actually a description of what should be normal Christian living. So I want to just take you through some things as we prepare for our conference next week. So, now the Lord had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, 
and there he put the man he formed. And so it's symbolic, prophetic language, but the garden was planted in the east, okay? And the east speaks of the origin of God. That's why Matthew 24 says that like lightning flashes from the east, that's how he's coming. His coming will be, so it's a place of origin. So the origination of the river is in the east, and it's from God himself. It's really interesting that all of the Trinity is always involved whenever you see the river. And if it's not explicit, it's implied. So just think of the garden story. There is God walking with Adam and Eve and talking to them. Is that right? So there's the Father. Then there's the tree of life. Who is that? It's Jesus the Son. And then there's a river that flows through the garden. Well, who is the river? Is the Holy Spirit. So right here, we see the whole of the Godhead is involved in bringing life to us because we are the trees, the planting of the Lord. Is that okay? And so God is involved. So he has the fellowship with the Lord. And then they can eat from the tree of life, which is Christ. And when they eat from the tree of life, here comes the water. Are you all following me? Okay. So Genesis 2 verse 10, a river watering the garden flowed from Eden. It flowed. It flowed. There's movement. It's dynamic. God is always moving. He's always flowing. There's always the vitality of life. He's always bringing life. And if we are filled with Him, He will flow out of us as rivers of living water. And so we need to understand that. So Ezekiel 47 verse 1 to 12 talks about this river that comes out of the sanctuary. Well, the sanctuary would be the Father. Is that okay? Yeah. And because of the sacrifices, that would involve the Son. But here comes the river, ever deepening, flowing. But I love this. I love this. Verse 12. And it's parallel Psalm 1, and it parallels Revelation 22, verses 1 onwards, about 5 or 6. Listen to what Ezekiel says. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit, not the Father's fruit, Not the Son's fruit, not the Holy Spirit, but their fruit. Look at the person next to you and say, Pastor John is talking about you. It's your fruit will serve for what? Food and their leaves for healing. In other words, the words of your mouth will be food to others and your hands will be healing for others. Is that okay? We know that that's what Revelation 22 says. The leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. Amen? So I love what Witness Lee says. In church life, We must have Christ supplied and ministered to us as the life supply in the flow of the Holy Spirit. In Revelation 22, 1-2, indicates the riches of the supply of Christ, that there are 12 different kinds of fruit, fresh and rich. Christ is not limited, nor is He poor. He is unlimited and unsearchably rich. We must always have something new and fresh of Christ to minister to people. We must bring Christ as the new fruits and as the fresh supply. Isn't that awesome? I think it's just absolutely brilliant. So listen to Joel chapter 3 verse 13. You didn't know there was a river in Joel, hey? Some of you might have. But uh, so listen to this. Joel chapter 3 verse 18. In that day, 
in that day, it's talking about the day that Christ comes. In that day, the mountains will drip new wine and the hills will flow with milk and all the ravines of Judah will run with water. A fountain will flow out of the Lord's house and will water the valley of acacias. The King James says Chittim. Chittim wood is a type of acacia and Chittim wood was used in all the tabernacle furnishings. Did you know that? Overlaid with gold. So Chittim wood represents humanity and the gold divinity, which means that because of the sacrifices of Christ, us who are natural people are clothed with his divinity and his glory. Amen? So how will it happen? Because the river flows there. It flows to us. Is that okay? So Revelation 22, I just love Revelation 20. There's some beautiful verses there. Because John says, you know, that I saw the pure water of life flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And it's amazing that when this river flows, he says that there in the midst of it is the tree of life on both sides. You know, it's prophetic language, and it's really difficult to understand because it's visionary language. So down the middle of the great street of the city, so the river is flowing down the street. The river is the street. It's the way in the wilderness. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It is the singular street of gold in the heavenly city. There's not streets, plural, There's one street gold, and that's the highway of holiness. And bearing crops, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. It's really interesting that the Spirit flows from the throne of God and of the Lamb. So the Spirit flows from the Father to the Son. From the Son, it flows out to the trees. Isn't it interesting that in the river, we find the tree of life? Can I say this to you, church? That in the Spirit is where we truly find Christ. Amen? We have the Spirit because of Christ. But when the Spirit moves, that's where we truly discover life. The life of Christ is in the flow of the Spirit. I mean, that's a revelation. You didn't know that before. Come on, don't, don't act like, you know, tell us something else. You know, act surprised and say, wow, amen. <laughs> because that's the first time I've seen that. I was just all excited when I was preparing this, okay? So let me just talk about the origin of the river. Exodus 17, 6 and Numbers 20, verse 11. God led them to the, it's quite interesting in the Bible, to the wilderness of sin. It's just interesting. So they come to a place called Rephidim. We know the war that happened at Rephidim. And then there's no water and they're very thirsty. And God says to Moses, take the staff. Take the staff with which you struck the sea, which you struck the river. I'm adding words. Take that staff and go to the rock. It's near Horeb. Really interesting that it's near Mount Horeb. It's incredible. And he says, go and strike the rock. There it is. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock. And water will come out of it for the people drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders. When he struck the rock, what happened? Water flowed out. They yeah. drank. And he named the place Massa and Meribah. Yeah. Very interesting. But when he struck the rock, water flowed. Yeah. Strike the rock, water will flow. Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah. So here it is. Are you all ready? Yeah. You ready? So in John chapter 19, and then from verse 31 to 35, was the day of preparation. It was the special Sabbath. And because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies of Jesus and the two thieves left hanging on the cross during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs of all three broken because that would inflict the final amount of terrible pain and would bring on quicker death. 
So like, let's put them to, let's execute them by breaking their legs. So they broke the first man's legs and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. This, this fulfilled everything that was written. It was fulfilled everything that was typified by the pure, spotless, perfect lamb of God without blemish. Not one bone broken, nothing. Amen? Scripture for Scripture. It's absolutely beautiful. But listen to this. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of what? Blood and water. What was happening here? Symbolically, prophetically, what was happening here? The rock was struck. And what flowed? Water flowed. It's very interesting. Both blood and water. In other words, first of all, it was our salvation and our regeneration into new beings that was being taken care of. Amen? But here's another thing. The water will flow wherever the blood has flowed. So if the blood of Jesus has flowed through your life, the water of His Spirit can flow through your life. Amen? The water will only flow where the blood is cleansed. Come on, hallelujah. And so it's really incredible. That's when the river really began to flow for all of humanity when Jesus was crucified on the cross. And then Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 2 to 4. They were all baptized, talking about the Israelites coming out of Egypt. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. When they went down into the sea and when it parted and walked through, the cloud was over them. And that was symbolic of their water baptism and baptism in the Holy Spirit. Is that okay? Yeah. Symbolic of ours too. They all ate the same spiritual food because God fed them. But listen to this. And they drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Now, here is one of those principles of first mention, you know? So when they drank the water that came out of the rock because it was struck, it was prophetic, and the mate of it, of course, is right over in the New Testament, these various passages. In other words, if you are thirsty... You can drink from him. Amen. Is that okay? Because he will satisfy your thirst. So this is normal Christian living. Amen? Amen. Are you all with me? So it's unbelievable. The amazing thing is that in Acts chapter 2, we see a bigger fulfillment of what happened at the cross. In Acts chapter 2, 32, 36, Peter explaining this phenomenon of all these people speaking in tongues, the visitors hearing them speaking in their own language. And he says this, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now are looking at, what you see and what you hear. Amen? For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. This is so good. Therefore, let all Israel be sure of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And he goes on to say in the next verses, that he received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and he's poured out, or it was earlier verses, he's now poured out what you see and hear. And so that's the fulfillment. We see it prophetically fulfilled in Revelation 2. It's the throne of God and the Lamb. So the Lamb now receives all of the Holy Spirit, and he turns around and he pours it out on us. 
And so in the spirit, we find the tree of life, and then we produce fruit. Are we all good? Amen. So I'm aiming for something, and I've got only a few minutes to sum it up. Right, Revelation 22. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal. We're going to read these verses. Flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city, singular. On each side of the river stood the tree of life. So the street was the river. So on each side stands the singular tree of life. This is prophetic language, isn't it? It's amazing. Don't you think so? Bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the trees of the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will serve Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. Everybody's worried about 666, the mark of the beast, and Antichrist, and all this blah, blah, blah. You know what? <clears throat> Can I tell you? They all get it wrong because they go to Revelation 13. They talk the mark of the beast. If you take mark of the beast and all that kind of thing, you can either buy or sell and all of that stuff. But you know, they all get it wrong because the beast there is Rome. Yeah. And they're confusing the beast with the Antichrist. John mentions the Antichrist. First, second, third John. Second, he says, he was one of us and went out from us. That's a historical figure. That person's name was Serentius. I just thought I'd mention that. Okay. <laughs> All right. But hey, none of them preach. Five times in the book of Revelation, five times it says we have his name. Yeah. Is that okay? We've got his name. So fooey. So what if someone's got the mark of the name of the devil? It means that they've just got the character and the nature of the evil one. It means it's the unbelievers. They think they act like the devil. Amen? But we have his name on our foreheads and our hands. It means because we think and we act like Christ. Amen? Amen. We've been surnamed by him. Amen. And who is greater, us or the Antichrist? Us. That was pathetic. <laughs> who is greater, us or the Antichrist? Us. That was much greater. Amen? So listen, we've got to understand. <laughs> Never mind. Let's move on. When did the flow of the river begin? I can trace it to a place in Samaria, to a well. When Ezekiel's prophecy, the prophetic scriptures of Genesis, Psalm 46, Joel 3.18, here comes the Christ. And he's sitting down in Samaria at a well. And here comes a Samaritan woman. Oh, it's just really amazing. So in John chapter 4, verse 7 to 15, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Yeah. It was a setup. It was a setup. And then his disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Something was just about to happen. The river was just about to begin to flow in history in a completely different way. Yeah. Amen. Everything else was prophetic. Everything else was a look forward. Now by a dry, dusty well, sheep roller keys everywhere. Yeah. The well of God. No, but it is. It's dry and dusty at that place. Yeah. It's a thirsty land. And Jesus goes there, the fountain of life. Don't you just love it? Don't you just love it? He didn't start with Israel, with Judah. 
He started with the despised and the rejected. He didn't tell this to the Pharisees. He found one person who was thirsty and he says, if you want, you can have the well. Come on, that's good, isn't it? And so if you knew the gift of God and Jesus asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So the woman said, you've got nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well that was Jacob's well? And drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Amen. Amen. So here's two actions. First of all, as you drink, number one, you'll never thirst ever again. You won't thirst for the things. You can have them as a blessing. You can have the money, the cars, the houses, and all those things. Those can be a blessing. But you won't thirst for those things. Because what we really thirsty for is Him. Amen? And then he goes on to say, Indeed, the water that I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up into eternal life. So here's the deal, guys. If we're thirsty and we drink, as we drink, something begins to happen. And Jesus said it. He was not talking about revival. He was talking about ordinary everyday Christian life. But of yeah. course, it can apply to revival. You're saying, if you drink me, if you drink me, yeah. if you drink my life, yeah. if you imbibe, if you take in my life, yeah. something will happen and rivers of living water will flow out of you. Yeah. Are you all good, church? Yes. See, what I'm driving for is a relationship with Jesus. Yeah. Amen? Come on, church, we must never get to the place where we're pursuing the river and it's an abstract thing. It's not something abstract. It's not something out there. It's not this intangible thing that happens. No, no, no. When we pursue revival, we're pursuing Jesus. If we're pursuing the river, we're pursuing Jesus. And in order to have the river flowing out of us, we need to pursue him. Is that okay? I was listening to one lady that Pastor Helen sent me a message, and I was listening to this lady, and she came to this church, and God said, saying to this church, she said, sharpen the drill bit and keep drilling because you will hit water. In other words, and then she began to interpret it. She said, press in with your relationship with Jesus. Press in, because when you find Jesus in greater measures, that's when you get a flow of greater power in your life. Amen. Amen. So in John chapter 7, verses 37 to 38, of course, it was the last, the greatest day of the feast. At the exact moment, the priests were drawing water from the pool of Siloam, and they were quoting Isaiah, where it says, with you know, joy, I draw from the wells of salvation, and they would go into the temple and pour it on the sacrifice. At that exact moment, while they're pouring that water and saying, with joy, we draw from the wells of salvation, Jesus stands and says in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Isn't this awesome? Verse 38. Verse 38 says this, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit. Amen. So if Jesus said this, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. If you believe. Come on, church. It's easy. Scripture interpreting Scripture. 
how do we drink? How do we drink? And I know sometimes we can do things practically and prophetically. Lord, I'm so hungry for you. And when we pray, we can say, I just drink you and I drink you. But it's not in the physical action. I mean, those things are all good. But the thing is, it's if you believe. Amen? It's if you believe in him. When you believe in Jesus and everything he said, you're drinking in his life. And then there is the thing. That condition is to drink by believing. But the result is this, that out of your inmost being will flow rivers of living water. Amen? Remember, it began when Jesus was pierced. But it was his heart that was pierced. Amen? So when we drink, we get his heart. When we believe in him, we pick up his heart, his character, his nature. It's in us. And then from our inmost being, rivers of living water begin to flow. Don't you just love it? So I'm going to leave you out scriptures. You can write down Acts 2, 1 Corinthians 6, 19. But I want to just get to Psalm 46 very quickly. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the most high dwells. You know, the incredible thing is everywhere in scripture we see, yes, the river flows out into the world. Yes, it does. The river flowed out of the Garden of Eden. It became Tigris, Euphrates, you know, Pishon and Gihon. In Ezekiel, it flowed out and it went all the way to the sea. The sea is to the nations. Trees on either side. Revelation 22, the same thing. But every scripture you see, the river starts to flow from God in his church, amongst his people, in his city, to the valley of Chittim where the believers are. Are you all following me? From there, it flows out to the world. Come on, church. It doesn't just flow out there. If we find it flowing out there, it's because there's some believer somewhere that is doing something for God. So in other words, the converse side of it is the world will not be touched unless the water is flowing here. Amen. 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 So his life needs to be flowing out of us. So here's the conditions. And I've got two minutes and I'm nearly there. It's for those who believe. Those who believe. I was listening to this lady that Helen sent me the clip. And they're seeing all kinds of things happening. She works in northern Uganda, southern Sudan. And uh, she's a single white woman on her own in a war-torn area. There's no other people around. There's no other white woman around. There's very few missionaries. When the conflict started, all the missionaries left. Yes, one woman that said, God, send me. I will go wherever you tell me to go. And God said, go there. The most dangerous place. So she goes there. She starts preaching the gospel. Blind eyes opening, deaf ears. Dead are being raised. Phenomenal, phenomenal testimony. Incredible things happening. And she's raising up. She said, I will not bring in one missionary from anywhere else. I'm raising up people from northern Uganda. And she's raising them up to be powerful leaders and seeing great things happening. One missionary came from a denomination that's not spirit-filled, and he was absolutely shocked when he saw deaf ears open, cripples leaving, and he said, what denomination are you? She said, the Bible denomination. (laughs) Come on, amen. 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 So we're the Bible denomination. Amen. Come on, we've got to get out of our sort of religious ideas. We've got to get out of all this other stuff. And we need to press into Jesus. We need to walk with Christ. Amen. Because when he does, the dynamic life of God will be flowing in us, but it will be flowing through us. Amen. Amen. Where's Nuzuko? Pastor Nuzuko, where are you? Just raise your hand, wave your hand. 
There's Pastor Nuzuku there. Um, Nuzuku does prison ministry. And um, just the other day, she sent me an update, you know, and it's just some of the testimonies. And somebody that was booked for an arm amputation prayed for them. God healed the person and no arm amputation. Come on, amen. So we need to have that life of Christ. Because when we have, he will flow out of us dynamically. Because you can't stop him. He will flow. He will move. So it's for believers, amen? amen? It's for believers. Secondly, it's for people who are thirsty, who recognize their own poverty of spirit. You know, there's two verses in John that says, you know, without me, you can do nothing. Well, it's, one is in John, the other one's in Philippians. But the other one, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we need to recognize not only our power, but our poverty. Our poverty without him, but our power with him. Amen? And I can then do all things. So it's for the thirsty, for those people who are desperate. Nobody who's just a casual inquirer, who just dates God every now and then, will see things happen. You know, if he does use people like that, it's normally his mercy to the person they're speaking to. But he needs thirsty people to fill. Hungry people to satisfy. Amen? And that's why we have these conferences. That's why we build up to the conference, so, that, so we can get hungry and thirsty again. We can come to a place and just be touched and revived and then go out and just continue doing the things for God. Amen. Amen. So it's for the hungry and the thirsty, yeah. for the poor, of spirit, poor in spirit. Yeah. Trees drink water. Yeah. Amen? Psalm 1. Jeremiah 17, so many other places. Paul tells us this, Ephesians 5, 18. Do not get drunk in wine, instead be filled with the Spirit. That doesn't happen if you're not thirsty. That doesn't happen if you don't believe. The word there, to be filled, is in the continuous present tense in the Greek, which means be being continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. So you've got to stay satisfied, but never satisfied. Hungry and filled, but you're never satisfied, if you know what I'm saying. And then continually getting so it's out of a relationship with Jesus. I love the other thing that Psalm 1 tells us, you know, meditate on his word. Then you'll be like trees planted by living water. The last one is this. The thing about rivers is this. Rivers always flow to the low places. Rivers don't flow uphill. So if you're high and mighty, if you think you're independent and you're sufficient and you, you don't need God, the river doesn't go that way. The river goes... Amen. It goes to the humble. It goes to those ones that say, God, I need you. God, I want you. I just need more of you in my life. I just, so Isaiah 57 verse 15, for this is what the high and exalted one says, because that's where the river starts. The high one, the exalted one. He who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and a holy place. That's at the top of Zion. Amen. But also, I also live with the one who is contrite. And lowly in spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. In all our getting, we've got to get Jesus. We can pursue miracles, we're pursuing the wrong thing. You can pursue prosperity, you're pursuing the wrong thing. You can pursue power, you're pursuing the wrong thing. We can pursue the river, we're pursuing the wrong thing. The one that we have to pursue is Jesus. Jesus demonstrated it at the well. When he came to that Samaritan woman, she's had a really tough life. She's hungering for something. She's desiring something. She doesn't even know what she's looking for. 
She doesn't know what she's desiring. What am I chasing after? What am I going for in life? You know, potentially five husbands haven't satisfied this thing in her, her need. And then comes the man. He comes and he sits there and he basically says, you're thirsty. You're thirsty. And if you want, I can give you something to drink. And that thirst inside you will be taken care of. You'll never be thirsty again. Never. You'll be made whole, but something will happen. Something will well up inside of you. And it did. It did. Because she ran into the village and she said, come to meet a man who told me everything. And the entire village comes. They said, okay, you know, we heard what you said about him, but now we've met him. Yes. You know, yeah. we've met him ourselves. Yeah. Now we believe because we met him. Yes. But what happened when she walked into town? What happened when she began to come and just in a few words just say, come and meet a man? They probably, when she got to that point, they probably thought, oh, not another one. <laughs> come and meet a man who told me everything. But there was something different about her. This time there's something flowing out of her life. Something touches them. Something persuades them. Something convinces them. And here's somebody that's probably rejected by society. And to the person, to the person, they're all following her. And she introduces them to Jesus. And what happens to them? They believe. What happens after that? First revival was Samaria. Amen. I want to encourage us this week. As we come to the conference, yes, God will bless. Yes, it will be powerful. It's going to be absolutely awesome. I cannot tell you how excited I am. And, you know, we're going to have 50-plus pastors and leaders here all coming just to drink. God told us we would be a well years ago where people will come to drink and to drink. Amen. And they'll go back and they'll release something from them. Amen. So the Sunday after, there's going to be streams flowing in those churches, fresh, fresh rivers. Amen. But when we come, come expecting more of Jesus. In all our get and get. Amen. God wants to do something new, something really fresh, something powerful. How many of you saw our new anointing oil mix over there? If you've got time to walk past it, just go and smell it. It's absolutely powerful. The fragrance is working through the olive oil now. But we mixed it this week, and two ladies in the prayer meeting just reminded me and connected some dots for me because when we were about to mix the oil, we had some likeness of the oil from the previous conference, which was just prior to COVID. It's still fresh. There's nothing wrong with it. It's, it's awesome oil. But I said to JD, before we mix the new oil, you need to wash that vase out decant the old oil put it aside but you need to wash that thing and then I'm going to put new fresh oil in and mix it and I brought it into the prayer meeting so everyone in the prayer meeting Friday night and Saturday morning so everyone could lay hands on it and just speak over the oil so that when we on Sunday morning lay hands on all of you and anoint you with oil that you get something and two of the ladies were sitting and they said Pastor John that was so prophetic God doesn't want to add, and and there's always a sense in which he does, but understand prophetic language. God doesn't want to add to the old. He wants to give you something totally new and fresh. Amen. So that implies, you know, maybe this week 
just get with Jesus, fall in love with Jesus again. Let your desire be Jesus. Amen. Just lift your hands to the Lord and just, just, I want you to talk to him. And if anything this morning you got out of the message, I was trying to talk about the river, but to point back its origin and source is Jesus. It's maintained Jesus. When it flows, it's Jesus. Everything is Jesus. Amen. The life of Christ manifests out of us. Are you all good? Amen. So Father, this morning as we come, we're just asking, Lord, that you would just touch us, enable us, help us. Lord, our heart's desire is to know you better, stronger, more intimately become progressively more acquainted with you, like Paul says in Philippians. Father, we just want to know you better. Jesus, the lover of our souls, we want to just fall in love with you afresh. Lord, let this week be about discovering you in a new and a fresh way in a powerful way again father in the name of jesus 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 we love you lord we love you lord jesus i want to know you better i know i want to know you better i don't want to rely on past victories past experiences as good as they are and they've formed much of who i am now but lord i just need something fresh from you i need something Lord, to be revitalized in my walk, my relationship with you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Just while the music is playing, just talk to the Lord. And just, just a minute, I don't want to keep you any longer. I, I want you to go with this message this week and spend time with the Lord. Father, I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Lord, I commit your people to you. Be with them this week. God, will you do something just so absolutely new? Grateful for the former things, but in a sense that we can forget the former and move on to the, the new. The glory of the latter is always greater than the glory of the former. We're moving from glory to glory with ever-increasing glory. Do it, Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. Do it, Lord. Do it. Do it, Lord. So, Lord, I speak blessing over your people. Protection. Provision. Health. Lord, this entire week. Lord, I just bless them with an encounter with you, a deeper walk with you. A closeness. Father, let them drink you in. Father, that as we believe in Jesus, because we're thirsty, we receive more of him. More of him, more of him. Lord, that the rivers begin to flow out of us to touch a dry, thirsty world. mighty name we all agreed said Amen bless you all love you all